Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tom Morrison. How you doing, hey, brother? Dave, I'm doing great, man. You know what I'm excited about today? Tell me. We are weeks into this thing, <laughs> and the, the testimonies coming to us are off the cuff, man. People are loving the depth and the creation and the innovation that we're challenging people to think through and driving their associations to think like entrepreneurs. And I'm loving it because that means they're going to be more and more successful. That's yeah, what I'm man. excited it's- about today. It's fun. Since since we recorded our last episode, we pushed this podcast live. Yeah. Um, I don't know what episode this is, something like episode 12 or 13. So yeah. we're still young, but um, you know, we've got a bunch of good episodes where we've got a lot of ideas for guests coming up. So that's, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting guests on yeah. here, Tom. Not that I'm sick of you, but I think it'll be cool to get another perspective involved in our conversations i would hate to think we've already run out of stuff to say <laughs> my wife would say are you kidding never me? a that's never a challenge in tom's world no no it's uh, yeah it's never been a problem coming up with things to say hey today's topic we're going to be talking about this idea of working remotely and mm-hmm. and um it, and obviously this is a very uh it's a huge topic since uh we escaped 2020 um, most of us at some point, if not for a long period of time, we're working remotely in 2020 and many of us will continue to work remotely in, um, in 2021, uh, forward. In fact, a lot of the tech companies out there have already cut their, um, uh, the number of people in their offices and in, in half, I can speak anecdotally yeah. about a lot of my friends that, I have gone into Boston uh, historically, and now they're going to be working from home. So um, Tom, of course, is an association executive. He has historically been working in an office. I'm an entrepreneur. And historically, I've been building businesses remotely with an office kind of being second to working remotely. So I think both of us come to this with a cool perspective on how to work remotely effectively. Well, Dave, wow, this is such a dynamic decision right now in this in this year specifically, as you got a lot of large associations who are having to make the choices, who's going to get to work remotely and who isn't? Who's effective at it? Who isn't? And a lot of small associations, and some large associations even are going to try and decide if they should not renew their leases. But that's another big issue for small associations who are kind of budget conscious, you know, a million to $3 million budgets. And, and you know, that, that lump sum rent or mortgage payment they make every month will what if our five to 10 employees just worked at home? I mean, you and I just did a live webcast on that topic with the trial attorneys associations because a lot of the smaller associations are trying to figure out how do they effectively work remotely and have the same accountability, the same efficiencies and for a better cost. So the, the next six months is going to be a big deal to a lot of associations for sure. Yeah, so so you and I had some time to think about this, which actually sparked the idea of recording this into a podcast. But you and I uh, had already done this in a in a webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we 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 did this po- <laughs> we did this podcast in a webinar. It was kind of fun. It was the same yeah. dynamic as what we're doing now too. And we broke it down into culture and chemistry, personal workspace, expectations, rules and training, and then technology. So those are the four areas we're focusing on. Some of those were hyphenated in commod. 
Right. You know, so it's like right. it sounded like seven or eight different things, but no, there was four. So Tom, let's start with, and, and some of this is, is philosophy, some mm-hmm. of it is tactics and tricks, and some of it is is um, apps and platforms to right. make everything work better. So, talk to me a little bit about culture and chemistry. What are your What are your initial thoughts on that, Tom? So to me, culture and chemistry is is vitally important because one, people drive a business, no matter whether it's a nonprofit, a for profit, whatever. People drive the business, and they drive the culture, and we're all made to be humanly connected. And when I say humanly connected, it's an, it's an in-person. I mean, if you've ever gone to a live event versus the virtual, everybody's experiencing that right now in the last year. A live event is nothing like a virtual event. So a live office is nothing like a virtual office. And it's easy to connect culturally in a live office. It's more challenging in a virtual office. Now, are people more productive virtually? Absolutely, all the time. The cultural productivity can be huge, but there is an element where we don't all work independently of one another. We work independently for about 70%. And about 30% of our time, we are interconnected as a team where my decision of where I go next on execution depends upon Dave working in his house, executing something before me, and then it, it trains out. So it's imperative that culturally, you have some good connection with communication, workflows, which we'll talk more effectively down in this conversation, to just make sure that everybody, tra- and you, you're going to talk about, I know you're going to talk about this trust, that everybody trusts that when I send something off to Dave and go work on another project, Dave's going to pull me back in what I need to be successful and what I'm doing and he's doing together in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So culture, I just think it's a challenge for a lot of associations. One, because they're, they're still ruled by baby boomers and it's a real challenge not having everybody under their connection. So culturally, they're trying to work that out. But my office, the reason I love this topic is we have really designed our office with four people to work 24-7 anywhere in the country, no matter what. And so when COVID came along, this was a piece of cake for us. We just got up and picked our laptops up and went home and we still were as effective. So, but that's a, it's a challenge for some people. One of the challenges, oh gosh, there's a lot of challenges, but one of the, regarding culture and chemistry, one of the challenges is when you're used to keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on with your employees. Like, what are they working on? Are they busy? Um, it, there's a little bit, might be a little bit of micromanagement in there, watching what's going on and having an input on it, you know, every half hour, 45 minutes, hour. So that's very difficult to do. And that's where this idea of trust comes in. Um, there's a lot of people have con- concerns that, you know, if, if you can't see them working, right. Is, is Oprah on? <laughs> you know, like, are and, they doing their laundry? <laughs> and, and so there's, there's an element of trust in there that yeah. says, you know what? I trust that they're going to get their job done. We're going to talk about metrics later because metrics are another valuable input to whether or not people are getting stuff done. Right. Um, but having said that, the idea of having regular check-ins with mm-hmm. your team, what, what a lot of companies call stand-up. Uh, stand-up meetings or, or scrums comes from a scrum, C-S-C-R-U-M. There's actually, you know, there's a scrum society of America or something like that. It's scrum. There's a, actually an association of, of... That's one of those that goes back to this, an association for everything. Yep. And, and But the scrum is based around this agile uh, software development methodology. And a scrum is a 15-minute stand-up meeting sort of thing. Whether your meetings are stand-up or they're sit-down and they're a little bit longer 
that's okay. But the idea of having a regular standup is really important. My team is four people. We meet every single day. Actually, we don't meet on Fridays. We meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We tend to meet for about an hour. There's a lot for us to, we like to chew on things together and talk to each other because we don't see each other during the day. We talk to each other over Slack. That's another tool I'll mention. But uh, there's a lot of organizations I've seen where they have departments or groups of people meet for 15 minutes a day Mm-hmm. to check in with each other. So mm-hmm. that's that's really, really important. Another thing that I think is really important is understanding the flexibility that's associated with these new work environments. That, that does include things like laundry and kids and dogs. I had a meeting with someone this morning who actually, coincidentally, I, well, not coincidentally, but um, this is a relevant story. She's in, She was in London. I said, so how is it in London? She says, oh, I'm in Egypt now visiting some family. So here's a person I have a regular meeting with on a regular basis, and she happens to be in Egypt. During the meeting, her niece comes and sits in her lap and talks for a little bit with us, and then she goes on and we continue the meeting. That's this idea of having flexibility. That doesn't happen when people are in the office. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't care. The fact is that it's a thing. Uh, There's boundaries in what's personal and work, and, and that goes hand in hand with with what I just said, with your niece coming to sit on your lap for a few minutes. Right. Um, your boundaries get cloudy, really, really cloudy. So when are you working? When are you not working? Some people are fine with cloudy boundaries. Some people are not. I've seen some people actually get in their car, go to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm here in the Northeast, big Dunkin' Donuts around here. So we go go to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, get a coffee, drive back home. That's your commute. And then you're at work. So I've right. seen people that are that uh, rigid about it. And then they, they leave for the day. They go upstairs. They, they leave their, their virtual office and they're back in the mix. The boundaries, some people work in their kitchen. Some people can't. I'm one of those people that can't. You know, I, I really need to go into my office, into my cave and hide away. You know where How, I really work effectively at? I, I don't think I want to know the answer to this, Tom. It's at my pergola by my pool. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> that's where I work most effectively on a 75 degree day, no wind and just, you know, but, but you know what, Dave, all that stuff to me boils down to control. That's what it's for control and not enough trust. I think people need, I mean, think about it. The, the, the lady that allowed her niece to sit beside her for five or 10 minutes and, and just kind of be in the meeting. No one looks at she could have probably sat for an hour from 11 to midnight working to send you emails that she didn't have to, but she, this one, she said, you know what, I'm going to get some work in because I'm not tired. I like what I do. A lot of people do that. They like what they do so much when they're, t- when they're not tired at night, instead of reading a magazine, they just go do what they do. They tinker with their business or their job because they like doing that. But no one looks at, they send emails from 11 to 12 at night to me. What they look at is, oh my gosh, they had their niece in the meeting for 10 minutes while I was sitting there watching her do the meeting. Like who gives a crap? She got the work done. Do you remember the guy? I don't know, CNN or CNBC or some news station. There was this, and it it became this viral video of this guy that was on a, and this is before the pandemic. So when being on an interview from your home, I think he was wearing a suit and tie Mm -hmm. in his home, which is another thing, by the way, we'll, we'll get to this personal workspace, I think, or an expectations about the dress code. Right. Different. In the wait, office wait, versus well, at home. So I don't want tie. to see what you're wearing down beneath. <laughs> but this guy's 
daughter, I think. He's on like big news yeah. station in getting an interview and his daughter walks in and he kind of like pushes her away and he's really embarrassed. And But today, if that were to happen, I, like, hey, I this think my it's daughter. a different environment. His daughter would come sit in his lap while he conducts the interview on CNBC. Right. Right. It'd be, it's a completely different environment and expectations yeah. have changed. So one other person I want to mention, Hal Elrod, H-A-L-E-L-R-O-D, has a great book called Miracle Morning. Some of you may have heard of it. Hal Elrod offers a great way to get started for the day. You know, for mm -hmm. some of us, the commute in is the way you get started. For me, I hated the commute in. I took a ferry mm -hmm. into Boston actually for a while, but even when I was driving in, and that was cool, but it was an hour and a half between the ferry, getting to the ferry, getting on the ferry, getting off the ferry, walking through the city into my office. I much prefer to have that three hours back. Right. So I, now I have three hours more productivity at home, or I can work out, or I can hang out with my kids. Regardless, Hal Elrod talks about his method for prepping in the morning in terms of getting ready for a productive day. All right. The, the only other thing I want to mention, Tom, around culture and chemistry, a huge part of culture is an organization's vision, mission, and values. And, and, the, and not only that, but then the operating system that you use, the strategic execution process that you have for accomplishing your goals. Most associations don't have that. They don't right. have an operating system like um, scaling up. Maddie and Jamie over to Propel are promoting this um, this idea around implementing Rockefeller habits, otherwise known as scaling up, which is a Vern Harnish book about using a process to to reach your strategic goals, but breaking mm -hmm. it down all the way down to quarterly goals and so on. But this is all cultural, driven by leadership, to create this culture of productivity, no matter where you are. Right. Well, right. here's, here's, here's the thing real quick, because you said something that I think that not a lot of people probably think through, but think about your three hour, your hour and a half drive in and, and back. OK, so many people that I talk to are enraged by the time they get to work because of, <laughs> because of the commute. Think yeah. about the negativity, the negative environment that's created in the workflow in the first just three hours when they talk to customers, the employees and their work process, because they're so on edge because of traffic and road rage and those kind of things. So by working remotely, you give someone back an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half or whatever that time. That's excessive. Is. I know my commute was long because of the ferry and the city and all e that e stuff. E but e even e if it's 30 or 45 minutes. Right, right. Because it only takes one car to sideswipe somebody before they go off the handle. So yeah. when you take that, remove that that environment, and now they just get to walk up, wake up, get dressed, go get coffee, and go sit down at the computer and smile and relax. Man, what a relief they probably have to jump chiming into work and much more. So I think that there's little tiny things that we remove that creates a better worker because of what because of their the, the start to their day and, and actually the look, looking forward to the end of the day. Well, there's, there's the other side of the coin, which I think is a hard one um, for for those of us that are seasoned, you know, mm -hmm. later in our careers. Working from home is actually kind of nice, especially with mm -hmm. families at home. But if you're 20, 25, 28, you, you may not have a family. You're, you, you, um, you're probably very, very focused on, on advancing your career mm -hmm. by, by socializing and networking with people. Right. It's really hard to it work is. from home. It I is. think that's a real challenge. And so I don't quite know how you do that, but we need to take care of those people in that stage of their career mm -hmm. in their 20s 
that are really dependent on their interaction with uh, leadership and mentors to help them along the way. I'm not sure how to do that, Tom. Right. Well, the last thing I'll say culturally that I think is important too. Not, not to mention, Tom, going out for a drink after work. You know, exactly. that's there's a lot to be said for the bonding that, yes. that comes out of going out to work with your peers. And that's hard to do also virtually. That's where you get to know people in the workplace in a much yep. more higher scale. So, so the last thing I'll say on this cultural thing is accountability. You talked about it, metrics and stuff, which you're going to jump in. But I think culturally from accountability, it's imperative that you have stopping points. That's what we do. We have stopping points where everybody, we have an entire list of every project we're working on. And we walk through them. So someone not pulling their weight, it rises to the surface because we all are kind of interconnected. So it's imperative that whether you have metrics or stopping points where you're really looking into where are we at on all these projects and everybody has to explain where they are, what's the next steps. And if you're not, if you're not in the game, well, why are you behind on your part of it? And we do that very positively, not in a negative way. So I think, like you said, there's got to be check-in stopping points and metrics where you're, where you keep workflow moving because here's what I'm a firm believer, Dave. Trust is one thing, but I do believe inherently many people are not self-motivated, self-managed. They don't have the characteristics to do that well. That's why micro, that's why managing them is so effective. So having some process that helps them, that's why the office structure is very successful for them. So identifying that for people working in the home and helping them find a way to move forward in a way that helps them mentally because they're not self-motivated or self-managed. You know? So the first three sections that we're talking about, again, culture and chemistry, personal workspace, expectation, rules, and training, a lot of those are very focused on process and, and a mentality. The last right. section, technology, we're going to get into a lot of tools to help manage those first three. So the second one is personal workspace. I think we can crank through this one. We already talked mm -hmm. about a little bit of this. Uh, in terms of privacy and and uh, you know having your niece or a toddler come sit in your lap or make noise or maybe there's homework or uh, maybe you're an empty nester or maybe you're single. I mean, there's the, the different environments out there and our employees. They're completely different situations depending on who they are and what stage of life they're in. Well, you remember the story I told in in the live webcast where I. I... I was doing a, this is one of our uh, live webcasts at our big trade show. And one of the people from a fortune 500 company, when he logged on, all I saw was dresses hanging up behind him. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, what is behind you? He goes, Tom, the only room in the house with three kids and a wife and two dogs is my wife's closet. It's big enough, but it's quiet enough. And it obviously leads to a story like we're having right now. So it was kind of a humorous thing, but it, but the thing is, is you got to understand, you know, it's a change, like you said, change of culture dynamics looking through that when you log in, the first thing you see is him and then 50 dresses behind him. It's like, where's he at? Tom, I think you know this. I, I started my first company, which ultimately turned into Peach New Media uh, back in 2001. Mm -hmm. And I started for, I think, three years I worked out of my home until because of the toddlers, I decided to find an office, a little cubicle down the road. Right. And uh, and then from that point on, it was kind of 50-50 in and out. And by the time we got a number of employees, we had an office in Massachusetts, an office in Atlanta, um, and then a bunch of remote employees as well. So I'm very, very comfortable with this remote, the, the idea of having a remote background and, uh, and there's a lot of little tricks I've learned along the way, all the way from a standing desk and multiple monitors, having a good mic for these video right. meetings and, um, and solid Wi-Fi and soundproofing, depending on the scenario. 
Uh, lighting, of course, is important. Uh, and and your the here's an interesting one: background noise in events like this. Now, I don't use this because, like I said, I I work in a pretty quiet place. I say as I look at my dog sleeping over there. You know, it takes his one little squirrel to make that noise start, but. <laughs> But the CRISP, K-R-I-S-P, is mm -hmm. a tool designed to cut out the background noise. Apparently, it works pretty well. Awesome. Um, do you have anything to add about personal workspace? You know, for me, it's just as, a, as, a, as an owner or a, or a CEO of an association or a manager managing people, you need to, you need to really have the discussion with your employees what is going to be comfortable for you? What's going to make you be the most effective for us that we can? We want you to be comfortable. We don't really care as long as it's clean. I mean, you wouldn't want to show a trashy thing behind you. But to me, any scenario, any, any workspace is, is acceptable as long as it's clean and tidy. You know, I mean, that's why, I, that's why it wasn't a big deal for me to have the guy's wife's 50 dresses behind him because it looked clean and tidy. And it, it was kind of a cool conversation. So to me, that's the key behind the personal workspace clean and tidy or weird and messy like like your friend's closet there i actually worked in uh no i'm joking about the second part but i i there was the time when i was working from home our house was getting renovated there was working going on the house yeah i can't tell you how many meetings i had from the front seat of my car like wi-fi in the driveway sitting there in the front seat of my car with my yeah. laptop because it was quiet right um all right, but, let, but your car, but your car was clean and tidy, so it was okay. Yeah, you know what? I don't think in a lot of these, you're not always on the phone on video. You know, many times right. you are, but you're not always on video. Sometimes just about the audio quality, or sometimes just about having good Wi-Fi and a little peace and quiet. Let's talk about the third category: expectations, rules, and training. And and some of the things we'll talk about in here are dress code and the hours that people work and the regularity of communication. I, I think you mentioned to me once that uh, you said remote doesn't equal uh, child care. Correct. True that, but Ch COVID changed that. <laughs> COVID there's, changed there's some that. challenges, man. I mean, right? Because of school, remote school. Yeah. I mean, you push your you, you push push your children into you know into the home, and the person's making thirty two thousand dollars a year. They ain't got the money to put their kid three kids in child care. That they ain't, and and. And, uh, the that this is where trust comes into play, though. I mm -hmm. mean, if if the employee understands the goals and the metrics, then it's on them to figure out how to get their work done when it needs to get done. Right. And um, you know, there's there's cybersecurity issues too yeah. that we need to take into account. It's easier to manage a lockdown environment in the office than it is in fifteen or twenty remote offices. Right. However, I will say this, my understanding of cybersecurity is the biggest weakness, the biggest challenge isn't the hardware technology. Hackers aren't actually hacking into things. How do they get into things, Tom, you know? It's like it's like kids running through a parking lot, clicking the car doors, they're looking for the unlocked door. It's the passwords. It's poor right. Passwords. Well, and, you and, get, and, and I remember the last time we talked about this, Tom, it was in the live sessions and, and I got a little upset because you told me you had all your passwords. The answer is going to be no, Dave. Uh, damn it. Really, Tom, you still haven't got last pass. I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting oh, there. Boy. So, so listen, I don't, I fully expect that one day something's going to happen with that spreadsheet because somebody's going to get access to it really, really easily. And they're going to get into it. So here are the common issues with cybersecurity, by the way. And you can get 
um, you could reach out to uh, Delcor, Symmetry, or any of these tech companies in our space and get a, a great tutorial on on cybersecurity for your employees. I'm sure they would probably do that for free. But here's two things. Number one, okay. make sure people uh, are setting good passwords. And what's and a good two, password? What's the number one? Uh, actually, so there's a lot of theories on this, but a good password is is something that's longer than shorter. It's and it, but the, the thing I read that's interesting is it's actually a sentence is better than just letters and numbers and caps and all that stuff. But a good here here's the real answer: a good password is one that's different from a, your other password, and one that's different from the other password. The same password across all of your platforms is a really, really, really bad idea because if they hack into one, then they can now they can access all of them. Well, here, here's the real key. This is the number one key. The number one key is having four different characters of uppercase, lowercase, a number and a special character all within the same password. A, a cybersecurity specialist told us at our annual meeting in, in 2019 that without those four things, hackers can generally hack into a password readily easily if it's only uppercase lowercase it would it takes years to try and get through all four of those that's the key to four combinations in a, in a password is uppercase lowercase special character and a, and a number but but again remember most of the time people aren't hacking in they're finding your password they're guessing a, a really simple password like password or one two three four five six You'd be amazed at how many people use those stupid passwords. And I, I, I kind of see a really nervous, anxious look on your face. I'm guessing you might have one or two of those. No, no, I don't have it. No, I, my, 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 all my passwords encompass those four things. And I make them sentences. Like you said, it's like, I love Dave 72 money sign. I mean, that, that would be, it's a sentence that I could easily remember, but no one else could figure it out because it has, it has those four characteristics in it. So it only has to be eight to 10 characters. To be to be effective with four things, but that's what I've always been told. So every one of my passwords has those four combinations in it, with at least eight. To Password 10. managers. LastPass is the one I use. You mm -hmm. can get a corporate version of that. You can get a family version of that, or you can get an individual version. There's also OnePass. Uh, let me see if there's. Those are the two most popular. I'm aware of LastPass and OnePass. They're both phenomenal systems. Um, you could make arguments like saying, well, what if somebody gets your password to that? Well, there's two-way authentication and there's all right. kinds of stuff. It's, I, I, and then you can even share passwords through LastPass or OnePass without actually giving your password to somebody. It's really cool. Right. It's easily giving them a token to get into a particular account. You, just said, you just said <clears throat> something that's the next, like one of the second big points is two-way authentication. I always thought, I hate having to get a text code, but hey, if you want to protect your data and not have phishing or ransomware, those things, it's imperative that you, for really big things, especially that you look at two-way authentication with the, the text or email pa uh, codes that they send you. What do you, what, what tell, let's talk about address code for a second. What, what are the expectations around address code, do you think, for people when, when Office goes remote? For, for me, it's just, you know, it's not, you don't wear beachwear. It's, to me, it's, it's business casual. I mean, so shirts are required, generally? Yeah, shirts what are required. Pants? pants? Well, whatever you can see right here, that's <laughs> it. I love the commercial where the guy walks out in his underwear and shirt. He goes, oh, I thought we were doing a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and there's, there's four other people in his living room and they're all dressed <laughs> up. <laughs> so, so for me, dress code is just, you know, casual wear is good, but you got, you got to have a little respect that you don't dress in a t-shirt to come to a, 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 you know, a meeting or a live scenario or something. You know, I just think you, you know, you wear something that that's reasonably well, but it's definitely not a suit tie. You don't have to put on a long sleeve shirt. I mean, you know, I think the way we're dressed today, we wouldn't go into a business meeting like this, but we, but today in zoom world, it's changed where what we're wearing today is fine. In my you know, it's funny is I dress the same here as I did when I went into the office. You know, if I went to a conference or visited a client, I might upgrade my, my appearances by about 20%. Right. <laughs> but I, I tend to be a kind of a casual list anyway. Tom, tell me what about, uh, we've had this conversation about being able to depend on people to mm-hmm. get back to you. And now you and I tend to butt heads a little bit on this. You use Zoom, as, I'm sorry, not Zoom, you use um, a Skype okay. as a mm-hmm. primary chat tool. Uh, in our company, we use Slack. Slack tends to be a little more complex in what it can do from a chat perspective. There's also, and, and again, I'll get into a whole bunch of the tools, but regardless, there's there's Google Chat, there's Microsoft uh, Teams. What is, what is the Teams chat? One, uh, what do they use in Teams? So anyway, if you're using Teams, you know what it is. Yeah. But there's, so there's all kinds of um, communication tools. If somebody doesn't respond to you in, in Skype, you get a little frustrated, right? Well, to me, to me, my philosophy is you have to really break it down as to what's the expectation of your workflow and customer interaction back to the customer. Because if, if someone calls me at 930 and they really need an answer by 10 for something that they're waiting on us to give, and I Skype you at 935 and you don't even address me till 10, 15, I got a little bit of a problem with that. And, and, the, and I'll give you the following scenario. So I used to be a bartender. This is where I got my, my, bar, my, uh, my service, customer service concept. So when you walk into a bar, when the bartender, walk, and I did this incessantly, when you walked onto my bar, I don't care how busy I was, I threw you a napkin and pointed you out and said, I'll be back with you momentarily. Thank you for being here. And that just bought me five to eight minutes, period, if I don't come back. But if I, don't, if I ignore that person, until I'm ready to serve them and they're getting frustrated because that process, that eight minutes seems like such a long period of time. We've all been there in the restaurant. And so to me, Skype's real time. It doesn't take a second. It's not going to disrupt you. But if I, now, like you said, if you got shared calendars and you can all see that, that's one thing, but like we don't have absolute shared calendars. So if I Skype somebody at 935 and you're in the middle of something, it doesn't take anything to just say in a meeting, be right back. I'm like, fine, I'm good. You know, now Here, here's where things. I struggle with that. So when I'm in meetings, um, mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, I have messages coming in from different places. My phone's dinging, my Slack is dinging, my email's getting emails in it. I need to focus on my client. Sure. Uh, I need to focus on you, Tom. MTI is a client of ours. I need to focus on our, my client. It's highly unlikely that I'm going to be checking my messages or, or, or scat, chatting with somebody when I'm in a one hour meeting with a client. Now in between meetings, I will. And so that's where I struggle a little bit. If I'm working on something and I see something come in, yeah, I'll check it, I'll monitor it. 
But just like if I'm in the office and my door is shut and I'm in a meeting, I'm still not going to respond to you, even if you got my fact, you know, two minutes ago, my son opened the door and wanted to ask me a question. I had to dismiss him. I had to kind of wave him off because so that's where you and I disagree a little bit. I think we need to have the same mentality as if we were in the office and we, you see me on the phone with somebody. I'm not going to respond to you if you're jumping up and down, holding up a sign to me that says emergency then I might put them on hold for a second. So if, if that's the case, then eventually I'll see, hey, Tom's called me three times in a row. Let me see if I can get this. But see, so, that's, your, that's, your, that's your philosophy. Was, was nothing wrong with that. We totally respect that. What I say, my, my reply to that is, is it just depends on how you want your workflow. Just like working virtually changes a lot of things like dress code and that stuff. I would never walk into your office if you've got a customer in it. But working remotely like this, like right now while we're talking, if, if Cameron emailed you and said, Hey, I got a real big thing. I need to talk to you as soon as you can. And you, and you're talking to me and you just sit there and says in a meeting with Tom, I'll be back in 45 minutes. Boom. I never even saw that happen, but Cameron now knows he's got to wait 45 minutes and you at least connected. So yeah, I think it, so, but still what that requires is that I'm watching every, every input that's coming in, which no, takes me I, away from my conversation with you. I'm saying just see like us, we have three employees and they're never all banging at us in a communication style. That's going to be disruptive. I'm just saying if one of my employees, because there's very, there's only three people that have my Skype, my three employees. So that's the only communication in any meeting I would ever break away for five seconds and say, hey, I'll be right back. I'm in a meeting. I don't, I don't look at emails. I don't look at anything else. All I look at is my team communications. But, it, you, but bottom line, Dave, you have to do what works for your workflow. And that's where expectations comes in. You're sure. totally right. We could argue back and forth. If Which we I were love doing business, with you. If we were running a business <laughs> together, we would have to come up with some agreement on this. Right. We are not, and therefore we don't. But for your organizations, when you take them remotely, you got to have some common understanding as to where are we on this topic. Yeah. All right. I would just tell the team, Dave, look, don't ask Dave, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Last five minutes. Last five minutes, we we're talking about technology. Uh, there's cloud-based everything out there. I mean, yeah. there's Google Drive, there's Microsoft Teams, there's Dropbox. If you're not using a system where your files are remote in the cloud, accessible by everybody, then it's probably a good thing for you to consider because sending files or working on a spreadsheet and sending that spreadsheet back and forth and wondering who's got the right version, that's so 1998. Second thing, shared calendar goes hand in hand with this. Having a cloud-based calendar so that you can see what's going on mm -hmm. with your team is also really important. That might address the problem of Skyping somebody and not hearing back. If I see Dave's in a, in a meeting with every CEO he knows, he's probably not going to respond. Right. There's to-do lists. Now, I'm not a fan of to-do lists. I like my calendar. If it's not in the calendar, it's not going to happen. Tom, you know what I have here? This, what I'm holding up you can hear it, is a piece of paper with a bunch of check boxes on it. Mm -hmm. That has been sitting here on my desk for about a month. You know why? Because I don't do things on my to-do list. I do things in my calendar. So if things right. like happen, I put it in my calendar. Having said that, all kinds of cool to-do lists. There's one called Todoist. Every one of these cloud-based platforms has to-do things too. There's chat tools, which we mentioned already. Slack, WhatsApp, MS, Microsoft Teams, uh, Skype. There's project management systems. Trello is a really cool one. It's like a list management system for organizing items, actions, and processes. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Asana, A-S-A-N-A. -A -A, Basecamp is another project management tool. And Notion is like this 
online wiki. It's almost like a notes thing online. There's uh, asynchronous video. Uh, what I mean by that is where you can screen capture something and send it off to somebody super fast. I use Loom, L-O-O-M, really, really effective for answering questions either on video mm -hmm. or using your screen to capture how to do something. I use it all the time being a software company, use it all the time to answer client questions. But but um, Vidyard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-D is another very similar one. Great to show your, your coworkers how to do things too. Or to give a team update for that matter. Password managers, LastPass, <clears throat> OnePass, employee engagement systems. PropFuel actually has an employee engagement system, but Tiny Pulse is also very good. 15.5 is another tool, more of an HR tool for managing like uh, mem uh, employee uh, objectives. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's less about checking in with your employees, and it's more about monitoring the workload. Fifteen five, right. and then finally, there's employee tracking tools. This is last last thing on my list. Employee tracking tools. If you really want to monitor what it is your employees are doing, for instance, if they have a company computer or an organization computer, it's not their mm -hmm. private computer. <clears throat> I don't think you can do this with a private computer. It has to be an organizational computer. You can install things like Controlio. Terra Mind, T E R A Mind, Hub Staff, H U B S T A F F. And these are ways for you to track what they're doing, their activities, all the way down to their uh, what keys they're hitting on their keyboard. Let me ask you a question on that one notion. Do you feel like if you truly have to get to that granular and manage all your people at that level, do you think you've hired the wrong people? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's it, not, that's just not my management style i not I mine either the trust and metrics and effectiveness are they getting their work done but uh, I, I do know there's a lot of people that want that kind of stuff but let me tell you do you here's the thing i think it's clear i think it's fair to say that you clearly communicate up front that look we don't micromanage you with the system we expect and trust that you're going to do the work at home but let me be very clear that if you're using and abusing the time frame to not do your work and do things that you should be in front of us you can expect if one that's found out that you will not get a first, second, third chance. We take our time very seriously here. I think it's very clear that they have to understand what the ramifications of stepping over that boundary could be, because if not, the tendency would be to kind of shape some things here and there and not do stuff. Key takeaway, Tom. So key takeaway, you said it, time management right here. You can see it right there. I use Calangoo. I have a calendar for everything. I think- the What is that called? Calangoo? Calangoo. Color-coded calendars that. that my- my uh, my workers can see it drive, it's driven by Google Calendar. My mm -hmm. wife has a calendar. My staff has a calendar. My travel's a calendar for all of them to see. So we actually do have a shared calendar where they can look on and see. They, they would know right now that I'm in this with you right now if they look. So, it, and it goes off your, uh, your, your computer to this, to your mobile device. So here's the, here's the fallacy and the big downfall of time management in the confines of the day. People have a, a calendar, whether paper or this, and then they have a to-do list. Here's how, I, here's how I'm so effective at time management, in my opinion. I have about 32 different projects where it comes with all committees in our association, my personal stuff, our meetings, our publications. There's about 32 major projects. We, I have a spreadsheet that's five pages long that has every project and committee and what their projects they're working with as a subcommittee. Inside of that, there's probably 150 to-dos currently to do to get all those done. Guess what? They're not on some separate sheet of paper that's 150 list. That's why we get overwhelmed. We're looking at the 150 going, we're never going to get it all done, but half of them don't have to be done for six months. Well, here, I go out on every Friday at three o'clock. I go out and look at my five page spreadsheet at all of them. And I say, is everything in this phone, 
that needs to be done to make that happen. And what's powerful about that is to Monday, I'm going to come in and I'm going to have three things on my to-do list to push everything forward on Tuesday. I might have 10 things, but every, but I, I have, when you have confidence in your time management system, guess what? You go home stress-free. Cause why? We're always worried about we're going to miss something. Well, if it's in the computer and comes up on each day in the future and you've got all your projects listed, you go, you, you leave because you know you're going to do what comes up on your scale. And you just have to keep making sure you have all the to-dos in, in, in this here. I do not have more. This is all I have to manage my time. I don't have three legal pads. I don't have two different places. It's all right here. And I would encourage everybody listening to this to find the online calendar app that works for you and have everything. My dates with my kids and my dates with my wife, my workouts are in here because it requires time. Anything that requires five or more minutes of time in the future of me goes in this right here and I never miss it. So my time wife management, always, that's, your, that's your key takeaway. Uh, my, key, my key takeaway here is something that I mentioned but didn't emphasize. I should have put more energy into talking about this and that is all of these things uh, roll up to something really, really important. And that is having a strong leadership that's visible, uh, engaged, and most importantly, has defined and communicates clearly a strong vision, mm -hmm. mission, and values. And those have to be a major part of every interaction you have. Because if you lose sight of those, or if your employees lose sight of those, then it's all for naught. And and so I think um, I think all the technology is cool, and all the tips and tricks, and you know, accepting the fact that your dog may be sleeping next to you and bark every now and then is cool. Time management, I agree, is critically important to being productive. But I think without leadership um, standing behind their vision, mission, and values, and making crystal clear to the employees, we're all wandering around in circles. So underneath that, right there, Dave, what's critical to leaders? is it's easy to show an employee that you care in the office. You know, they love hot food Sunday. So you go by Dairy Queen one day when they walk down to the file cabinet and you put a hot food Sunday, I've done this. And you put it on their desk and they come back and they're like, and you disappear, they're like, where'd that come from? And ultimately somebody says, the boss gave you that. And they're like, oh my gosh, he cares so much. So I think it's very important when we're working virtual that you find unique ways to let employees that never see you know that you care about them. And that you care so much that you communicate why they're important to the vision, mission, and purpose of the association and how they play a major part in making that happen. Yep. Staff engagement, employee engagement. I mean, that's something that the ProfFuel started with that, to be honest. That was our right. initial product was employee engagement. All right, Tom, with that, another good episode. Good talking to you. Brother. Hey, wait a minute real quick. I didn't get a chance to mention it. There's one big tool that people will want to go look at. We're actually working through it in our office because we're so virtual. Is this? It's a book called The Non-Obvious Guide to Virtual Meetings and Remote Work. The Non-Obvious Guide to Remote Meetings and uh, vir vir Virtual Meetings and Remote Work. Go out on Amazon. You can look it up. It's like 14 bucks. It's a great book, small read to work your team through, so you can find out the keys. It's got the latest tips and tricks and data for doing that. So, back to you, my man. I got nothing. Good, good job. That's Peace. a wrap. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.